to become or chosen to become fishers of men. Hallelujah. Chosen to become fishers of men. Luke chapter 5. It's a very popular scripture and I'm sure we all know it. We are still in our month of Ekleogomaya. Amen. So, it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake and but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets and he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and asked him to put it put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat and when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch but Simon answered and said to him master we have toiled all night and caught nothing nevertheless at your word let I will let the, down the net so he, when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets was breaking. So they signaled their partners in the boat to come and help them, and they filled, they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Hallelujah! But when Simon saw this, he fell down. At Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the. Why are you turning me down? Whoever is there. I'm very sensitive to sound, so when I'm preaching, don't play with my sound. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Hallelujah. Let's say that phrase together. Ready, go. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Say it again. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Say to your neighbor, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boat to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. I can easily have a camp meeting from this scripture, I'll tell you, from verse 1 through to 11. Because as I read, I see so many things. Hallelujah. I've preached this time and time again, but every time I look at this scripture, I see something totally different. And when I was looking at this scripture, I saw something totally that I've never seen before. I'm sure we've all read the scripture, and it's very difficult to preach a scripture that is so popular that everybody has seen. Because it's almost as if everybody knows what you are going to say. Amen. 
But the Bible says that when Jesus was ministering, there was a crowd that were pressing him. They were pressing him and he stood by the lake and he saw two boats. But I want us to stop at the place of pressing. Jesus was ministering and they were pressing. The word pressing means that the throng of people were so much that he needed help. Are you with me? Pressing means there's almost as if a stampede was about to occur. Because people were pressing towards him to hear the word. Amen. So there was a need. One thing about ministry is that as ministry starts, there are needs of the ministry. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Ministry has a need. Every church has a need. This church has a need. As we begin to minister, there is a pressing need. And the need is for a boat. On Sunday, I told you that a boat is a vessel. And a vessel is something that is used. Isn't it? And a vessel is not just a boat. A human being is also a vessel. We are vessels. Paul says that, but in a great house, there are many vessels, some to honor and some to what? Dishonor. But if a man will purge himself, he will be a vessel meet for the master's use. Hallelujah. So there is a pressing need for a vessel. The ministry needs you. You are a vessel, and so there is a need for you. There is a pressing need for you. The word pressing means urgent. The word pressing means necessary. The word pressing means vital. The word pressing means it is of utmost urgency. Without it, we can collapse. Without it, Jesus' ministry can come to a stop just dead because you are not in place. Assuming the boats were not by the shore, what would have happened to Jesus' ministry? It probably would have ended there and then. Remember, it was just starting. But at the start, he needed a vessel. At the start of ministry, we need people. At the start of the church, we need a lot more people than you think. First Peter 5, 1 to 4. Bible says that the elders who are among you, I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd, somebody say shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God, which are among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but what? Eagerly. 
nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade. Hallelujah. He says, shepherd, destiny, shepherd the flock. Don't wait to go through all your qualifications and all your Bible school to get all your, what do you call it, credentials before you start. There is a pressing need. It is urgent. We can't wait for you to go through all the various, uh, what do you call it, pastoral school and everything before you can look after God's people. You are vessel. You are needed now. I don't know whether I am preaching better than you are amening or you are amening. Your amen has gone home. But he says that there is shepherd the flock, not by compulsion. Do it willingly. Do it eagerly. Take responsibility by yourself. Because there's a pressing need. I don't know whether you, you are still sleeping or you are still not here. Uh, There is is so much, there is so much need that we cannot become aloof. We cannot stay unconcerned. We cannot stand unbothered. We cannot stand by idly twiddling our thumbs because the need is so vital that the vessel must come to play. Hallelujah. The vessel has to make itself available. Whether the vessel is seaworthy or not, it is needed. Remember this vessel had been out, out in the water all night. So they may have scratches they may have, you know, bumps. They may have some repair works that needs to be done. I don't know whether me, I'm talking from the perspective of a, a, a fisherman. I, am, I come from a fishing area, so I know that sometimes, as the boat, especially when the boat is coming to shore, there are some rocks in the, in, in the water, in the shore, that scratches the under of the, the boat. So sometimes the, some of the boats leak. So when they are in the sea, you have to get somebody whose job is, so usually they take a five, ten-year-old, and their job is to take water out of the boat and throw it back into the water. So as the fishermen are working, the little boy's job is just emptying the, so they will not sink. But there is a pressing need for the boat, so we can't wait to repair the boat before the boat is out there. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. You see, we Christians today, we want everything to work for us. We want everything to be hunky-dory. We want everything to be prim and proper before we want to go out there. But we can't afford to sit by when the need is so pressing. I don't think I've got the right church today. Uh, without a vessel, Jesus cannot be effective in his ministry. Without a vessel, 
Jesus cannot be effective in ministry. The problem of the church is the lack of vessels. I don't know whether I'm preaching to the right church. I said the problem of the church is lack of vessels. Have you not realized that as you begin to do a lot, you see that there's more of demand of your, on your time. There's more demand for you. And do you know why? It's because there are less people doing what you are doing. Um, I don't know whether I'm cutting through to you. The more you do, the more you see that there is more to be done and more requirement from you. Because the laborers are very few. It's not as if there are no vessels around. There are a lot of vessels around, but they will not do anything. Pastor Michael said they are using the vessel for other things. I didn't say it. Pastor Michael said it. Hallelujah. We want God to come through for us and God to do so much and so many things for us, ignoring the pressing need. Because the need is not ours. So it's not necessary. It's not just the church. Jesus has pressing needs. It's not the church. You see, Jesus is the one in the story. And he's walking by and the people are pressing on him. So he has the need. And that is why first uh, Peter says that make yourself available to be an overseer. Not because Jesus is forcing you, but you are doing it willingly. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for, uh, what do you call it? Not for dishonest gain, but do it eagerly. Do it eagerly. Avail yourself to be used. Make yourself available. Because there is a need for you. Verse 3. Go to verse 3 for me. Not as lords over those who have been entrusted to you, but as an example. What he's saying is that there are lack of mentors, lack of examples, lack of shepherds, lack of people through whom others will be cemented. The example to the flock is lacking. Hallelujah. Make yourself an example. Make make yourself a vessel to be used by God. I was sitting somewhere minding my own business and I realized that there was a need and I was one of the people, vessels, that need was there. So I decided to make myself available. Before I realized, the whole church depended on me. Because without me, there won't be any church service. But I had a key to get, open the church door. And uh, I had the key to the garage where the instruments were kept. So at 5.30 a.m., I have to get up, go to where the instruments are kept, unlock the door. I had a van 
I was a delivery driver at the time. I had to go and unlock the door, get all the instruments into my van, my work van, and drive at 5.30 a.m. alone. And, and we're not this type of slick instrument. We're talking about 25 years ago. So the speakers, some of them are like this, jumbo speakers. The heavy ones. I'll carry them by myself into the van. Close, lock the van, drive to where the church is. And from the road to where the building is, is quite a distance. The van cannot get to the door. And in front of the door is a cemetery. So you have to go through the cemetery. And there are no lights there. Through the cemetery. Into the door. Open the door. It's 5.30 a.m., mind you. Winter. And take the instrument one by one by one. I'm talking about, about eight, nine speakers. And then all these equipment you see and more. There's a pressing need. Including the dog. <laughs> I don't know who, who is at the back. Elvis. <laughs> and, and you see, I didn't budget for it. I only started, but as soon as I started, there was a need. And I was the one there. And I have to fix everything by myself. Make sure it is all working up to scratch. Before the first Asha comes in. Around 7.30. Then by then, I probably would have finished doing what I'm doing. And I'll help them to unstack the chairs and arrange the chairs because there was a pressing need. And after that, I have to rush home, have a shower, come back before my pastor gets into church. Else I'm in trouble. Because I have to come back quickly. By then, one or two of the musicians would have come so that I can do sound check with them before service starts. At half past eight. We're doing about four services at the time. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't start from here. I started from that side because there was a need. And as time went on, other vessels made themselves available. And the more vessels make themselves available, the more needs arises, which means that I'm pushed from this place to that place, pushed from that place to the other place, pushed from the other place. See, as I was doing it, then my, I, I got married at some point, and my wife joined me in the labor. So in the morning, I have to wake her up. And I drag her, because I need somebody to help me with the jumbo speakers. Yeah, that was the building. 
and the cemetery is on the site. So I have to, that's, the, the building is at the back of this. So we have to go through the site to, there was a basketball court behind this building. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, because there was a need. Now, as the more people came in, we realized that we needed more pastors. So I was sent out. And as I went out, I, we realized that there was a need to train more pastors. So I was made to train more people. And I've been training since then because there's a need. There's a pressing need. Isaiah chapter 6. Then I heard the Lord, verse 8, asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? And who will go for us? Ask somebody, who will go for us? Or ask your neighbor, who will go for us? Ask them, are you going? What did they say? I said, who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Who is saying that tonight? BK is saying. You see, it was obvious that Jesus had a pressing need. But the fishermen were oblivious to it. Now, get the picture right. Jesus needed, but they didn't offer. They were washing their nets. They were minding their own business. The picture of the church hasn't changed. There are a lot of us sitting here right now we are mending our nets. In, in Matthew chapter 4, he says, they, they, Matthew's account says that they were mending their nets. Luke's account says that they were washing their nets. Whether washing your net or mending your net, it is something that, that belongs to you. You are minding your own business. In Matthew 9, 35 to 38, Jesus traveled through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every disease and illness. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more laborers into his field. Hallelujah. Most of us are engrossed in our own lives and we don't have time to see the harvest. Most of us are selfish and we are oblivious to the harvest. 
Most of us have never taken cognizance of the harvest. We don't pay attention to the harvest. I wish we had 200 pastors. Because we need more than 200 pastors. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? There, there is a pressing need. I know your nets have broken. And you need to check on your net. I know you need to wash your net. But there's a pressing need. I know your boat has scratches and punch holes underneath it. But there's a pressing need for a vessel. I know you went out and caught nothing. And so you are disappointed. You are in debt. You are thinking about how to pay your bills. I know you have a need, but there is also a pressing need. And the need of Jesus supersedes your needs. Because in answering Jesus' need, your needs will be answered also. Most of us are so selfish that we don't see the need of Jesus as pressing. Now, this is how Jesus describes his own need. John chapter 5, verse 34. And Jesus said to them, my food or my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there is still four months. Then comes the harvest. John chapter 5, verse 34 to 38. I'm 35, verse 35 now. Yeah. Do not say that there's still time. Then comes the harvest. Behold, they lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already what? White. Hallelujah. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Tell your neighbor, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and see. Tell them the harvest is already white. It's not time to be selfish. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? It's not time to, you know, look at just be myopic in your thinking. Amen. There's a need. There's a pressing need. See? Um, Haggai says that. Have you realized? Haggai chapter 1 says that. Have you realized that when you gather, I blow it away? I blow it away. And you keep gathering and I blow it away. Do you know why I'm blowing it away? I am blowing it away because the house of God lies in ruins. Look for the scripture, Haggai chapter 1 for me. You gathered for much, but it came to what? Little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away, says the Lord. Verse 9. 10. 
because of my house, no, because of my house, which that is ruined, while everyone runs to his own house. Why is the house of God lying in ruins? Because the vessels are not available. People are not there to take care of the house. Any house that is not taken care of obviously will decay. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. Any house that is not attended to over a time, it will fall down. Then he gives us advice. Therefore, the heavens, so therefore the heavens above you withholds what? The dew. And the earth withholds what? Its fruit. Believe you me. Believe you me. If you give your life to God, he will shock you. No, 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 no. I'm talking from experience. Because as I'm talking to you now, I've gone back 25 years. And I'm seeing the guys that I started with who were in the church, who were minding their own business and will not make themselves available to be used And they saw me as a fool. Because one, I was using my own van, which was my work van. And you see, in those days, when you go and the the, uh, the bosses know how much petrol that does the delivery per week. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. And they also know the mileage. So when they give you the ration for the week, and you go over it, you have to put in more petrol yourself. Are you, are you with me? And then you have to go and answer query for the going over the mileage. So I was not only doing, and the church never gave me a cent. Not even one pound. So when I'm using my own van, and I'm using my own energy. And I, I, I don't know whether you know how, how many trips one has to do to move a whole in and out. And the thing is, some of the instruments, as soon as they share the grace, they will not even help. They came to play. But I said, hello, hello, hello. Before you realize, they are all gone. And I have to dismantle everything by myself. Because I realize sometimes those who come and help, they even break the instrument because they're also in a hurry to go. So before you realize, they're just broken everything. So sometimes I, I rather they don't, nobody touch it because when they break it, by next week when I'm trying to fix everything, then I realize something's broken, which will set my time back. Because by the time I repair it and put things in place to get it done, I am late to going back to the house to go and have a shower, and come back. Hallelujah. Are, are you understanding what I'm trying to say? These guys, who thought they were wise, by the grace of God, I have become more prosperous than all of them. All of them, without exception. Hallelujah. 
So when I'm talking, I'm talking from experience. And I've seen those who have given themselves and their vessels to be used. And with that exception, they've all done better. People will look at you and say, you are doing too much. They used to, they used to say that to me all the time. You are doing too much. These things that you are doing, if you did something else, you would have had more money. You are giving your time to the church. You are giving your life to the church. And the church won't even give you a pound. And after all this, when there is a feedback, one feedback, the way the pastor will stop sometimes and for five minutes, it's just me. He's blasting. If I did that to one of you, you'd have left the church long ago. And sometimes the guys at the back, when they want to get me in trouble, because I also used to give them a lot of grief when they are not doing things well. So when they want me to get me in trouble, they just move the sound, just then they will laugh at the back. Because they know they won't get into trouble. But my, my pastor doesn't care whose responsibility. He will blame you because he wants you to be responsible. So those who are around me, you should learn that. Whether it is your fault or not, take the responsibility. Don't even argue with me and go and deal with the person. Don't say, oh, it wasn't me. It was the one who was behind them. He doesn't care well, who was at the back. No, it's, if it has to do with music and sound, it's you. You have others who are working. Stop that. <laughs> he has others who are working with you. You have to deal with them. He was teaching me responsibility. Yeah, that's the whole. It wasn't this beautiful looking at the time. I don't know why Pastor Kira is getting all these pictures. But you just imagine and have to come from all the way and go all the way to where the doors are. That's where we used to set up. I have to set everything up. Get it with all the cables and everything. And the, the sound box was at the back. So you know me, I don't like wires all over the place. So it means everything has to be neat. Hallelujah. I've been doing this work for a long time. <laughs> Amen. Don't let me not digress. Let me go on. Where are we? Yeah. Let's finish Haggai. Let's go back to Haggai. Don't show me any more pictures. Verse 11. Therefore, no, go to therefore. Therefore, the heavens are above you. This is where I got to. Without end, withholds its fruit. Next verse. For I called a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and oil, the oil, and whatever ground, and on whatever the ground brings forth on men and on livestock and in all la the labor of your hands. See, sometimes you don't realize that things are not working because God wants to get your attention. You are forcing and things are not working for you. And you can't see that. It's because of your negligence. How you have left the work of God unattended. You are a vessel he's looking for. And you are doing something else. So he has to make sure that you catch nothing. 
See, Peter was needed. And Peter was in the sea looking for fish. So he toils all night and catches nothing. Because there's a pressing need for his vessel. There's a pressing need for not his physical vessel, but he himself. He is the vessel, not the boat. So God frustrates his efforts. Check your effort. If there's frustration at the amount, you are putting more effort than you are getting out. Check it. Hallelujah. I haven't gone past the first line. I, I can do a whole camp meeting of this, this 11 verses we've read, I tell you. Let me go on quickly. Then he saw two boats. I said to you on Sunday, the two boats means that there's always an alternative. Don't make the mistake that Elijah made. In 1 Kings uh, 19, says that I am the only one. And even me, they seek my life. And God says, oh, is that, is that so? Then go to the mountain. I'll talk to you there. You just go. So he goes to stand at the mountain. And God says that. Anoint this person. Anoint that person. Anoint that person. And then anoint Elisha in your stead. And then he stopped there. So as Elijah turned to go, he said, by the way, I want you to know that I have left for myself a whole army of servants who have not bowed their knees. But you've lost your job. Go. Elijah went and we didn't hear of him again. There is always an alternative. Don't think that without you the thing won't work. I've seen it happen time and time again. People have walked off there. Without me, the church will finish. Got angry. Slammed the door and walked off. And then they will be peering in there to see whether the church has finished. Then they will be watching online to check whether the church, the church has, has, has finished. They will be watching Facebook story, hoping to hear that the church has Suddenly, finished. And rather, the church will be growing bigger and bigger. Hallelujah. Because God always has an alternative. In John chapter 10, when Jesus was talking about shepherds, himself as a shepherd, I am the shepherd and I have many sheep. Verse 16 says that I have other sheep that you have no knowledge of. They are not of this fold. But they are part of my fold. Hallelujah. John 10 verse 16. I have other sheep that are not part of this. And other sheep I have which are not part of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. 
and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen. Serving as a fisher of man is a privilege. If you don't do it, somebody else will come and replace you and do it better. Where I'm standing is a privilege. If I put the microphone down right now, somebody else will take it and do it even better. Hallelujah. It's a privilege. Without you, somebody else will do something. I think I'll stop at this. Let me do one more. Number, where are we? So number one was what? There's a pressing need, isn't it? And number two, there are two boats. God has a, an alternative. Amen. And number three, fishing requires time and patience. The Bible says, and they were sitting there mending their nets because they had toiled all night and caught nothing. Fishing is a very unpredictable business. There is no guarantee of rewards. It requires time, patience, and faith. Fishing requires time, patience, and faith. Hallelujah. The ministry requires what? Time, patience, and faith. I, I, I talk to pastors all the time, and I encourage them. A lot of times, some are in a hurry, and they get frustrated. I was encouraging Pastor David on, sun, on Saturday. I stood in a corner with him, and he was sharing some of his frustrations with me, and I was telling him, that don't get frustrated. Don't be discouraged. Ministry requires time, patience, and faith. Because sometimes in your quest to do so much and it's not happening at the time, you take your frustration on the few people who are very faithful around you. You understand? You take your frustrations on them. And you moan at them and try to fight them without realizing that ministry requires time, patience, and faith. In James chapter 1, it says that, know this verse 5, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And when patience has had its full work, it makes you entire wanting nothing. Hallelujah. So sometimes God will frustrate the growth of the ministry, the growth of the fish into the net because he's working on you. I don't know whether you understand that. Sometimes you want the choir to work so much, you want the choir to grow, but then it's like you yourself, you are impatient. So he has to work on you and frustrate you until you get to the point where he has moved all the tweaks and all the wheat out of you. In John chapter 15, it says that the, the tree that bears fruit, he has to prune 
Pruning means he has to chop some things off you so that you can bear more fruit. Are you getting it? So he has to frustrate you, the work, a little bit. Because the vessel has to be pruned. Amen. Pastors, am I talking to you? Am I encouraging you? It's, it's okay for it to take its time. I remember when we started this church. It was so frustrating. I remember once I was, we were driving, myself and Pastor Kieran were driving. And he wanted to say something. But he, he said it by not saying it. <laughs> and um, he said it by asking a question. Because mind you, he has seen me ministering, pastoring a church of a certain size and a certain yeah, different places and different sizes of churches. And then it's like, we've come here and for the first three, three years or whatever, things are not working the way he expected it to work. And so he was asking some questions. And then really, the, the, the thrust of the questions he was asking is that, why? What are you doing wrong? Then I said, oh, you know, sometimes some things take time. And what I was trying to say to him, that ministry requires time, patience, and faith. And persis- persistence. Ministry requires persistence. When you think that you have gotten so far and gotten nothing, that's when you need to even be more perseverant. That's when you have to persist some more. It's always the dawn of the day is the darkest time or or darkest part of the day. Isn't it? Just before day breaks is when it's the darkest. So press through the darkness. Press through the disappointments. You know, you go to church, you're expecting 50 people and only 15 people turn up. Press through it. You're expecting 15 people and only three show up. Press through it. 20 people gave you absolute promise that they will be in church on Sunday and only five turned up. Press through it. All these things that I'm telling you, I've seen it. Sometimes in the morning, you'll be dead and the phone starts ringing. We had a, a phone that had that ringtone. And I said, when it's in the Sunday morning, then I say to my wife, pick it. Then my wife said, no, you to pick it. You know, what she didn't realize is that because I'm going to preach, I don't want to be discouraged. Because I know that this phone call, somebody's going to call that, oh, my tap is not running, so I can't come to church. My boil, there's no hot water, so I can't come. And all those things used to discourage me. So before I come to preach, I am the most discouraged person. Pastor, when you come and the people didn't show up, don't complain to the five people who have come. Don't moan at them. Encourage them because they are more discouraged than you. (laughs) Oh, I think I'm preaching the right church now. (laughs) They are more discouraged than you. 
So encourage, David encouraged himself and then encouraged the guys that the Lord says we should go, we will overtake and recover all. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? So ministry requires what? Time, patience, faith, persistence. Press through. Press through. Press through. Press through. Press through. Very soon, this will be the biggest church in the whole of Yorkshire. Oh, I don't think you believe it. I don't think you believe it. Your clapping is telling me that you don't believe it. Very soon. But it requires time, patience, perseverance, faith and perseverance. We are going to press. Push. Push. Push until something happens. Pray until something happens. Persist until something happens. Persevere until something happens. Don't give up. Hallelujah. Keep pushing. Keep pressing. Keep pushing. Keep pressing until you become the biggest church in Bradford. Don't stop. Until you become the biggest church in Manchester, don't stop. Keep pushing. Until we become the biggest church in Hall, we are not stopping. We are going to push. Hallelujah. We are going to push past our breaking point. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. But as we push, one day, just after the disappointment, we'll have more fish than we can carry. The same place we went and didn't catch anything. We are going to go to the same place and we'll have double. The Bible says, and they filled their boat and their partner's boat. And the boats, both boats were sinking. For the load of fish they caught. Stand to your feet.